Thanks for listening to the weekend message from Abundant Life Church. Most weeks on the podcast, you'll hear teaching from our lead pastor, Jeremy Jernigan. We have campuses in Oregon and Washington and are committed to giving ourselves to make the gospel good news for others. Find out more about Abundant Life Church at alcpnw.com. Well, good morning, Abundant Life Church. My name is Aaron Walton. I'm the Happy Valley Campus Pastor here, and it is my joy and honor to have the opportunity to speak to you this morning. As you, many of you know, we've been walking through a message series called Summer Playlist, where each speaker has chosen one secular song, and we've devoted some time just walking through that song and reflecting on the truth that we see about it, the truth that we see in Jesus. So if you have your journals, turn to week four. And if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to turn to Colossians um, and just kind of get ready because we're going to be bouncing through uh, the letter of Colossians. We're going to be hitting a bunch of different chapters. And so uh, find your place there and we'll jump in. The title of the song that I have chosen today is How to Save a Life by the Fray. The band called The Fray. The reason why I chose this song is because there is no other song that I could think of, no other secular song that I could think of that has made such an impact on my life like this one. It was one of those songs when I first heard it, when I first heard it on the radio, I said, they wrote this song just for me. So we're going to dive in. I'm going to kind of set the, set the picture, give you the kind of the context of the song. We'll walk through it a little bit one at a time. So here's the first lyric. Step one, you say we need to talk. He walks, you say sit down, it's just a talk. He smiles politely back at you, you stare politely right on through. Now the story behind this song is that the the singer-songwriter Isaac Slade uh, wrote this song based off of an experience that he had as a camp counselor uh, for a camp for troubled teens in Denver, Colorado. And so this song was kind of a reflection that he had of all the relationships that he built, all the connections that he made, and the conversations that he had with these troubled teens that were walking through some really difficult, hard situations, and his attempt to help them, his attempt to convey to them some kind of truth, his, event, his attempt to point them in the right direction, as the song says, his attempt to save their life, which leads me to just kind of a weird question that I want to ask you today, just to kind of get us started. It's weird because it sounds a little weird, but this is what came to my mind as I was going through this message. Have you ever felt you needed to save someone? Have you ever had someone in your life, maybe a family member, maybe one of your children, maybe a sibling, maybe a friend, a good friend, maybe a, uh, someone that you work with, And you felt this burden. You felt this pressure to save them, to help them. Maybe they're walking through a difficult situation. Maybe they're wrestling through something and you just felt like, I need to do something. I need to say something. How can I help? Now, this looks very different in a lot of different ways. It can really be as simplistic as you have someone in your life that just disagrees with you. They just don't see eye to eye on a particular issue and you feel this burden that you need to change their mind. You need to show them the way. You need to show them the light. You need to somehow convince them that they're wrong and that you're right. It's a matter of life and death. Let me give you a for example. Can you guys believe this? Okay, I'm gonna tell you something that's gonna shock your mind, okay? It's something that keeps me up at night and makes me sick to my stomach. Can you guys believe that there are people out there who do not recognize and do not understand 
that Disneyland is the greatest place on the face of the earth? I mean, does it not just break your heart? If there was ever a moment in my message for you to say amen, you just missed it, okay? It was right there. So let's try that again. Disneyland is the happiest place on earth. Hallelujah. I heard someone say, not amen. (laughs) I cannot believe that there are people out there that don't recognize how amazing Disneyland is. I'll be talking to people about Disneyland, and I'll get a couple of these responses. I'll usually get an eye roll, or I'll get one of those sneers, you know, like, oh, uh, that's for kids or something like that. Those are the kind of people, if that's you, we're going to pray for you later, okay? We're going to have a whole time of prayer. It could be a little bit more serious than that, too. Maybe there's someone in your life, a family member, uh, again, a sibling, maybe even a parent that just doesn't believe in the same things you believe in. They have not come to understand the God of the universe as you have. They have not experienced the life transformation of Jesus Christ, maybe as you have, and you feel this burden, you feel this pressure, is how can I help them see the truth? How can I change their mind? How can I help them experience the God and the faith that I have come to learn, or maybe you have someone in your life that's walking through some real destructive habits. Maybe someone that's involved in some kind of addiction, drugs or alcohol or anywhere in between, and it just breaks your heart. And you want to just so badly know what to say, to let them know, stop doing what you're doing, let go of those things, get that out of your life, please change. You ask God all the time, how can I help them? How can I save them? Or maybe you just have someone in your life that's just in a really hard situation and you can't see the exit. You can't see the end result and that you feel helpless in your ability to walk with them through that. See, this was the reason why the Frey wrote this song was as Isaac Slade was having these interactions, having these conversations with these troubled teens, these teenagers that are walking through some really difficult times, he just didn't know what to do or say because he'd experienced the challenge that comes when you try to convince someone what they're doing is wrong, the tension that you experience when a conversation that you think is going well doesn't actually go well. And then he just wrote this song as a lament of his heart breaking that he could not figure out how to help these guys and to help these kids Walk through what they're walking through. Next line. Some sort of window to your right as he goes left and you stay right. Between the lines of fear and blame, you begin to wonder why you came. See, when these conversations don't go well and you have people in your life that you don't seem to be able to help, you get to that point where you just start crying out, what am I doing wrong? Why did I even try? Or maybe you've said that phrase over and over again as I've said over and over in my head, if I had just done more. If I just said it in the right way, they would have listened. They would have had their lives changed. I could have helped them if I had just tried harder. Next line. Where did I go wrong? I lost a friend somewhere along in the bitterness, and I would have stayed up with you all night had I known how to save life. This is why this song speaks to me and has become a song that has really made an impact because I have made this lament so many times. I have asked God over and over again, why can't I help the people that you have placed in my life? Why is this so difficult? Why is the darkness and the evil and the sin of this world so strong? And it leaves me with that. God, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to walk with these people that are walking through difficult times? 
And so today we're going to spend some time in the letter of Colossians. Like I said, we're going to walk through it. And hopefully as we walk through this letter, it's going to give us some direction. And for those of you that don't know where Colossians ends, it's a small letter in the New Testament right in the middle. So uh, turn out to there right now. A little little, uh, tip just to help you find uh, Colossians. If you hit Galatians, keep going. If you hit Ephesians, keep going. If you hit Philippians, keep going. My little trick is just remember General Electric Power Company, okay? See, that's a free one right there, okay? You can take that. General Electric Power Company to find Colossians. But before we dive into Colossians, I need to make a disclaimer. Something that I think is really, really important for us to understand when we have this conversation about helping people. As we have this conversation about walking through difficult situations with the people in our life that we love. And it's this. Don't try and be someone's savior. I'm going to say that again. Do not try and be someone's savior. There is one savior that this world has come to know. It is not you, and it is not me. It is Jesus Christ. And it is through his life, his death, and his resurrection, and through his Holy Spirit, not ours, that lives are transformed and they're changed. And I think this is really difficult, especially for the church. Do not fall under the trap of seeing yourself as a superhero, that God has called you to swoop in and through your might and through your wisdom and through your ability, you're going to change people's lives. The only change that really matters, the only true transformation comes from the living God. When I was a youth pastor, I always felt like I needed to be the student's savior, that I needed to swoop in and help solve all their problems. Then if they didn't listen to me, I was the one that failed. It was on me to change their lives. Even as your campus pastor, I feel that burden and that pressure to help you, to save you, to point you in that right direction for those of you that are walking through difficult times. And I beat myself up when I feel like I fumble and bumble through it, when I make a mistake, when I don't say the right thing. My intent today is not to give a manual on how to save people. My intent is to give us an opportunity to reflect on the truth that we see in God's word as we navigate through the difficult conversations, the difficult relationships, the hard things that people are walking through and what we can do to help them. So if you have your Bibles, Colossians 1, 9 through 12, that's where we're gonna start. Follow along or uh, you can just listen to me read. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. In all things and in all situations and with all people and relationships, we should pray for one another. All throughout scripture, I see that constant reminder, that constant encouragement that the one thing that we can do for the people God has placed in our life is that we can pray, that we can spend time literally putting them in the arms of God, and saying, God, I don't know if I can help in this situation, but I know that you can, and so allow me the time in my schedule to pray for the people that you have placed in my life. But I understand that prayer is difficult. 
For some of us, it's probably really challenging and confusing. I always go back and forth to this feeling like I need to be praying without ceasing, right? That's what the scriptures just pray without ceasing. Well, how does that work when you're sleeping, okay? I don't think I've ever prayed without sleeping. Or that idea that when you're laying down in bed and you want to pray, sometimes you feel like you're just staring at the ceiling. And I feel like I'm praying more to the ceiling fan than I am anybody actually up there. Prayer is frustrating. It's weird. It's difficult. Have you guys ever made a bargain prayer? Right? Like, God, if you do this, then I'll do this. Right? Have you ever made a ridiculous prayer when you look back on it? You go, I don't know what I was thinking when I prayed that, but I said it. I'm going to tell you guys, I'm going to be authentic, I'm going to be vulnerable, I'm going to share with you the most ridiculous prayer request that I ever made, and I made it on February 1st, 2015. Does anybody know what happened on February 1st, 2015? I looked up into the skies and I said, Lord, this is my one request. All that I ask for you is to grant me this one thing, and if you are to give me this one thing, I shall be your forever servant. I shall never make a mistake ever again, and I shall never sin for the rest of my days. And then this is what happened. Still makes me sick to my stomach every time I see this, okay? Still makes me sick to my stomach. For those of you that don't know, this is a picture from the Super Bowl a couple years ago when the Seattle Seahawks took on the team that shall not be named. Um, and they lost the Super Bowl. I remember just praying, Lord, just give me a couple more yards. That's all I need, just give me a couple more yards. And then this is what happened after that. <laughs> see, this is why prayer is weird. Because sometimes we see it as a wish list. We see it as, God, I just want this, and I want this, and I want this, please give it to me. And if we don't get the things that we want, we feel like, well, that was a waste of time. Or prayer doesn't work. Or what the heck am I supposed to be doing in this? Now, what I see in Colossians 1 is the essence of really what prayer should be about, and it's two things. The first one is I think that it's an expression of the love that you have for the people that God has placed in your life. Just see prayer as that. It might not be, we might not get everything that we want, we might not be able to get our wish list, but I believe this, is that God honors the prayer requests that we make for the people that he has placed in our life. That if we were to daily sacrifice time of our own and put people in the hands of God and say, God, do something amazing. Protect them, keep them safe. I believe God works through those authentic prayers. And the second thing that he does in those moments of prayer is that he gives us wisdom and understanding so that we can navigate through those hard situations and those relationships so that we can know how best to help. William Barclay says it this way. We are trying not so much to make God listen to us as to make ourselves listen to him. We are trying not to persuade God to do what we want, but to find out what he wants us to do. See, there's a fine line when we talk about helping people that we need to walk through, and there's a difference between empowering somebody and enabling them. And sometimes the help that we try to give people, especially people walking through difficult times, can actually lead to more destructive things than actual help if we just stumble and bumble through it. And that's why I think God gave us prayer. Not only again so we can pray for God to be the one to truly change the life, not us, but that God could maybe use us in some way, but that we grow and learn and figure out and wrestle through this. My first challenge to you today is this. May the desire to help those you love be complemented with the discipline of prayer. There are a lot of things that we cannot control when it comes to people walking through some really scary stuff. We just don't have control over people. 
the one thing we can control is how often we pray for the people in our life. Let's continue on. That's the first thing I think we can do, and I think there's more into Colossians that talks about how we can continue to help the people that we love. Colossians 1, 19 through 22. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. One of the things I love about the letter of Colossians is that what it does is that it speaks to the church and it says, I know there's a lot of things that you're worried about. And I know there's a lot of things you're wrestling through. And specifically, the, the church in Colossians, they were walking through some heresy, some distortions on the nature and the understanding of who God is and who Jesus is. And so Paul jumps in and he just says, listen, I know you got a lot of things going on. I know you're getting distracted. I know it's really, really frustrated, but I need to point you back to truth and I need you to point back towards Jesus Christ. And so for us as a church, even though we might be walking through some difficult things, we might be wrestling through asking some tough questions, the intent of every time we gather together is to point us back to the living God, to Jesus Christ. And if you ever want a great explanation of what the good news of Jesus Christ is, what the hope of Jesus is, read Colossians chapter one. It is a wonderful expression of what the good news and the hope found through the living God, Jesus. I'm gonna give you a quick summary. If you ever wanna know who God is, the perfect representation, the image of the invisible God is found in Jesus Christ. And the scripture says that all things and all people have been reconciled to him through the blood that he shed on the cross, the sacrifice that he made for us so that we would not have to experience that punishment. He shed his blood so that all people and all things could be reconciled back to him. I don't have confidence in a lot of things anymore. I just don't. Maybe it's my old age. I don't know. But I'm getting a little pessimistic in my old age, okay? I'm just gonna be honest with you guys. I have zero confidence Zero confidence that my air conditioning unit's gonna make it through one more summer, okay? And that scares me to death. It was starting to make some weird noise the other day. We had some friend come over and look at it. And I was like, give me some hope, brother. Give me some hope. And he looked at it and he said, Aaron, I think it's time that you're gonna have to replace this. I said, grab my hand. Let's go, Luke. We're gonna pray over this thing right now. The power of Jesus over my AC unit. I'm telling you right now, I pray over the AC unit just as much as I pray over my own children, okay? It is that important to me. But I'm gonna have to replace it. And so every day I live in fear. Every day I have, I might, oh, we might go home and it might be broken. And it's the worst feeling. I don't wanna talk about it anymore, okay? I just can't. I have zero confidence, zero confidence that when I give my children an instruction, that they're actually gonna listen and actually do what I tell them to do. It drives me crazy. I will look at my daughters in the kitchen, I'll say, okay, Carly Emma, I need you to go upstairs and clean your room. They will look at me and they will make an audible gesture like they've understood. They will literally make the physical gesture. Yes, dad, we understand. And I will find them 10 minutes later on the stairs, singing some kind of song, playing with some kind of toy, and I will say, didn't I just tell you to go upstairs and clean your room? And they will look at me with this look of, are you, t- are you talking to us? 
I'm sorry, sir, I have no recollection of the event in question. But I'm okay, I'm, I'm assuming that when they get to be teenagers, it'll all get a lot better, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh, no, no? Oh, okay, thanks for that. Okay, add that to the list, okay? Add that to the list. I don't have confidence in a lot of things. But the one thing that I have all the confidence in is the power and the presence of Jesus Christ. The power and the presence of Jesus Christ in people's lives and because he is the perfect representation of the living God and because what he did on that cross that reconciled all people in all things, I believe in the hope that Jesus can transform lives. And no matter how dark the road might be and how scary it might be, if we claim Jesus Christ, it can change everything. So my second challenge to you today is this. Jesus unabashedly demands us to claim the hope for those that we love. Do not give up on the people God has placed in your life. Do not give up on the hard situations. Do not give up on the people walking through destructive habits. Do not give up on the people where you feel like there's nothing I can do. I guarantee you that if you claim the hope for them, God is going to do something amazing. It might not be in your own timetable. It might not be what you think, but this is what I believe the scripture points us to do. And this is why we gather together, church. This is why we show up on a Thursday or a Sunday morning. This is why we sing worship songs so that we can truly understand what it means to be a community of hope, as Pastor David talked about last week, for those that are lonely, for those that are lost, for those that are walking in darkness, that's the power of gathering together that we can be reminded that our job is to claim hope for the people in our life. So we can pray, we can claim hope, and here's the third thing, Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I love how Paul uses that phrase, clothe yourself. To see these attributes, these qualities of Jesus as pieces of clothing that you put on yourself that are in full display, that you would actually take compassion and put it on like a piece of clothing so that your actions reflect the convictions of your heart. That we would be a people that see the suffering in this world and that we actually respond to it. We don't just look at it from a distance and go, that's sad. That we actually have a motivation, a drive, and a determination to actually respond to the suffering and the injustice. That we clothe ourselves with humility. That we recognize that we are not God that we are just his creation, that we don't have all the answers, that we're still learning, that we need to grow in our wisdom and in our understanding, that we would call ourselves with patience. Does anybody else need patience in this world? I mean, come on. 
I need a whole wardrobe of patience because all the time I just want God to do the things that I want him to do. I want other people to do the things I want them to do and I get frustrated with that. And so daily I need to remind myself it's not about me. And then allowing that, that piece of love, put on the, the love, right, that he says, that binds everything together in perfect unity, that sacrificial and unconditional love that we saw on the cross. Imagine what kind of church we would be. Imagine what kind of church we would be if the one thing that we worried about was how well we clothe ourselves with this type of love. That we don't worry about all the other stuff that we can get lost and scared and frustrated by, but that we worry about, can I reflect the love of Jesus? Because this is what I think God does. He uses those attributes. He uses those abilities, those choices that we make, and God's truth is proclaimed when that true love is experienced. Henry Nouwen says it this way. How different would our life be if we could believe that every little act of faithfulness, every gesture of love, every word of forgiveness, every little bit of joy and peace will multiply and multiply as long as there are people to receive it. When I was a youth pastor, I remember one night, it was around 9, 9.30 at night, I get a phone call on my cell phone, and it's one of my students. And I have one of those moments, because it is late. I don't know if 9 o'clock is late for you, but that's late for me, okay? And I said to myself, do I respond to that phone call, or do I ignore it and just deal with it tomorrow? So I had that wrestling match, right? Oh, I did see it. Oh, should I just ignore it? I'm late. I want to go to bed. And for some reason, I say, fine. So I grab my phone, and I pick up. And it's one of my students, and he just starts screaming and yelling at me. And I go, what is going on right now? And in the midst of his yelling and screaming, what I make out is some just incoherent, just verbal diarrhea of him basically just saying, I'm done, Aaron. I'm done. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. I'm gone. I don't care about you. I don't care about the church. I don't care about my family. I am out of here, and there's nothing you can do to stop me. So as I have this, try to have this conversation, try to figure out what the heck's going on, I just tell him, okay, just calm down, brother, just calm down. Where are you right now? And he tells me he's at the Taco Bell on 122nd and Division. And I say, okay, stay there. I'll be there in 30 minutes. Just wait. Can you promise me just to wait? I want to talk to you face to face. And he says, fine. So I hang up and I get in the car and I start to drive. And I have that dialogue with God the entire drive that I'm going, where I'm one part just mad. I'm just frustrated. I'm just tired. I just want to go to bed, okay? It's late. I want to watch my shows, and I want to go to bed, and I don't want to deal with this right now, okay? And I'm also having the same conversation. I'm just saying, God, I need you right now. I have no clue what to do. I am lost. I am scared. What the heck is going on? I don't know what to say. I've already told him all the right things. I've already told him all the things. I've preached at him. I've taught at him. I've done, walked through the Bible and nothing seems to work. I don't know what's going on. So God, please show up and help me. So I get to the parking lot and I get out and I start looking around and I don't see him. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he ran off. He's gone. I have no idea where he is now. And out of the corner of my eye, I see him begin to move out of the shadows. And we get a little pretty close, but he keeps, keeps his distance. And he's not even looking at me, he's looking down at the ground and he's scowling. And so I try to talk with him. I just try to say, hey brother, what's going on? Can you help me figure out what happened? And everything that I'm saying is making him more upset. 
Every word that I'm saying seems to be just be agitating him more and more. And so we go back and forth for a little bit and it's not going well. And so I simply say this. I say, I think it's time for you to go home and we can deal with this tomorrow. Well, that was the wrong thing for me to say. Because as soon as I said that, he began to walk away. And as he walked away, I grabbed his arm. Second thing I probably shouldn't have done. Because as soon as I grabbed his arm, I saw that he was turning to swing at me. And so in a moment of reaction, a moment of fear or the Holy Spirit, I don't know, I grab him and I pull him as close as I can and I just start to hug him. And as I hug him, I just say, Jonathan, I love you. Jonathan, I have no idea what's going on right now. I am scared, I am freaking out, but I am here. I am not walking away from you. There is nothing you can do to stop me from loving you, brother. You are gonna be my brother for the rest of your days. I'm here for you. We can figure this out together. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but I love you, brother. I love you, I love you. And the moment that I grabbed him and brought him in, before he even, I even could say a word, he started to bawl his eyes out which made me start to bawl my eyes out. And we were just two guys in the middle of a Taco Bell parking lot crying our eyes out, okay? It was a beautiful sight. If anybody had walked by, they'd be like, wow, those guys must really love their Taco Bell and just keep on walking. <laughs> Let me show you a picture of Jonathan. This was at our uh, high school grad night. And in case you want to know, I'm the one on the right, he's the one on the left, okay? <laughs> People ask me why I grow a beard out. It's to differentiate myself from a teenager, okay? That's exactly why I did that. Next picture. Now I want to be really clear. I want to be really clear. I didn't save Jonathan that night. He has his journey that he's on, that he's still on, and as Pastor Aaron talked about last, uh, a couple weeks ago, his story is still unwritten. I'm just excited that I've gotten to know him as long as I have and that I can have moments like we had that night where I can just reflect the love of Jesus to him. Because this is what I believe more than anything else. This is my third challenge. The gospel of Jesus is proclaimed when we practice the posture of humble, patient, and compassionate love. When we take the opportunities that God, I think, lays in front of our laps with the people that are walking through difficult, hard situations, and we choose to practice compassionate, patient, and humble love, I believe the truth of Jesus Christ is proclaimed in a way that we don't even realize that we can have a moment with someone where we can literally claim hope for them as we just represent who Jesus is for them. God has placed people in your life today that need the love of Jesus reflected to them. They have had a lot of people give up on them. They've had a lot of people walk away. They need someone who's willing to take the posture of compassionate, patient, and humble love and show them what Jesus is and who he is. We're going to close today with Colossians 4, 2 through 6. Just a couple of verses, but in my opinion, one of the most beautifully written passages of Scripture that I think sum up everything that I've been trying to say today. And if you don't take anything from this message, take this passage of Scripture as a prayer for you and for the people that God has placed in your life. Allow me to read Colossians 4, 2 through 6. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. 
and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message, that God may open the door. Not that we force a door open, that we pray, God, open the door so that your message of hope, that your message of Jesus Christ can be shared so that we proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise. Help me grow. Help me learn that I don't have all the right answers. Humble me, Lord, enough so that I can seek you and I can seek your wisdom out so that I know how to way to act towards outsiders. So I know how to act towards people that are far from God. So I know how to act towards people that are walking through difficult situations. Make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every relationship, every conversation, every late night cell phone call. And let your conversations be full of grace. As Pastor Bob talked about when we first started this message series, let us be slaves to the labor of love and allow God to work through those moments that we have with people to proclaim his truth. One of the ways that we can share the hard things with people, that we can call out things, that we can tell them truth that might be hard for them to hear is when it's based in relationship. If there's no relationships, we're just yelling and screaming and creating more distance. So let our conversations be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that we may know how to answer everyone. Pray with me. Lord, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you so much, Lord, for this church. And Lord, I pray that we would just live out the truth that we see in your word. Lord, that we would make the choice, the sacrificial choice, to pray for the people that you've placed in our life. That we would make the sacrifice and daily pray for the people that we have claimed as our friends and as our family and as our church. Lord, that in that prayer, we would claim hope for them. The hope that they cannot claim for themselves. Lord, I pray that because of the sacrifice that you made on the cross, when you shed your blood to reconcile all people and all things to you, that we would have the courage to claim that same truth and to claim that same hope for the people that have not heard that message yet. And Lord, when you give us those moments and opportunities, I pray, Lord, that we would be ready to reflect the love of your son, Jesus, that we may reflect the compassionate, humble, and patient, unconditional, and sacrificial love that we saw on the cross, that you now give us the opportunity to reflect to the people that we have come into contact with. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I pray that for those in this room today, we will build our life upon your love, that we would build our life upon your grace, that we would build our life upon your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that through that love, through that grace, and through your Holy Spirit, lives will be transformed. The people that are walking through the darkness can see the light, Lord, that they can have hope, and that hope found in you. Lord, be with us today. Challenge us today. Give us these moments, Lord, that we do not miss out on. Let us not ignore those late night phone calls. Let us not ignore the responsibility. Let us point people back to your son, Jesus, the only one who can save. I thank you, Lord, so much. I thank you, Lord, so much for this day. In your name we pray. Amen.